Welcome to Simpac Live, where the rubber meets the road. I'm your host, Jeff Matthews, and today I interview Linnell Johnson, MD of E-Class Outboards. E-Class Outboards is an Australian manufacturer and a pioneer in the electrification of marine outboard motors. Welcome, Linnell. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Linnell, um, you've got a, a similar background to me. I, I, I spent uh, many years as a marketer and a brander, and you, you've been in comms and PR and, and marketing. How did you end up, you know, being uh, owning a manufacturing company in Australia at the sort of at the, at the cutting edge of um, decarbonising uh, an area, a, a, a recreational and, and, and a commercial area of um, of transportation? That's outboard motors. Well, as you know, as a marketer, you have various clients, so you get into all sorts of industries. And one of the jobs I did was a sustainability program for the government, which was getting small businesses to reduce their carbon footprint. And to be honest with you, I hadn't thought much about it then. And it suddenly made total sense to me that it was actually a good business decision. And that was my alive moment for what was happening to the planet, but also that it made good business sense is a good solution to the um, problems that we've got in the environment uh, can be very good for business and save costs. So I was converted from a business point of view quite some time ago. And then um, uh, Ron Kelly had developed these outboard um, electrics. Now, he's got a long history in surf life saving, in being a boat manufacturer, and he's an automotive engineer. And he literally doesn't retire well. So he was doing this as a retirement project for himself. However, being a workaholic, I can say that, um, he didn't stop at one and he developed a whole range. And to be honest with you, um, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I was being a marketer for a major um, not-for-profit uh, and I was retrenched. And I was over 60. And so despite the fact I had years and years of experience, um, I could not get another job. So I thought the best thing to do is do what I do best and it's develop a market. And if it's for the greater good and for the planet, all to the good. So I, he didn't want to run another business. And so uh, there I am. I have run other businesses though, just service businesses, not a manufacturing one. I, so I've got I, challenges. I, I I had that moment when I was about 40. I decided I was unemployable. <laughs> I decided that there were lots of companies that would pay me lots of money as a consultant, but they would never employ me. I was too disruptive. So, um, yes, that's yeah, pretty so, much me. So <laughs> I, I, I had, I've had that moment myself. So let, let's talk about outboards because one of the interesting things about the electrification of everything and the electrification of outboards is there are so many more benefits to outboards than, uh, say, even an electric car, because mm. you've got a noise factor, you've got mm -hmm. a terrible smell uh, problem with outboards operating them. I mean, everyone knows that they, they stink and they're horrible and you, and you don't want to be around them for too long. They're incredibly, uh, as I said, noisy. And, um, and, and, and often also, on yachts and things, we only have them as emergency backup or for manoeuvring in and out of marinas and things like that. And and so it would seem an absolute no-brainer to shift. And possibly the only thing uh, in your way is is the uh, is the first outlay of capital to 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 to, to yeah. get them. I think I, I I think I've read something you said. It's like buying your, in the next ten years of petrol up front. 
Yeah, it is. And that's an education piece, really. So there's been a couple of things that have um, been uh, much easier than EVs to um, to get into that market. There aren't the restrictions. EVs have got incredible restrictions because they they've got to be roadworthy and they have to be assessed as such. Uh, less barriers in marine, excepting for uptake. So marine has got all the same issues as the early days of EVs in adoption. We're creating a market. The outboard market in the world is huge. It's about $12 billion a year. It's dominated by four or five international players who, like the old car companies, were very reluctant to move to electric. They are starting to now. They've all shut down their petrol R&D facilities and they're putting their money into electric R&D. That's a good sign. But um, batteries were a limitation because you want lightweight batteries on most, most small craft and also getting them to go. Um, once people, and also for the um, buyer to understand that there is this capital outlay up front and that's all they pay. So that was a, it, that's an education piece that's ongoing. So there are barriers because you're creating a whole market, but they, they have the same advantages or even more advantages than an EV. If you talk to an EV driver, most of them would never go back to petrol mm. because of the use experience yes. and the instant talk and, and the quietness and, and all those things. And uh, boats are the same. So uh, it is a losing battle for petrol, but there are still massive challenges ahead to get critical mass. Okay, so let's talk about some of the um, the properties of um, electric electrifying outboard motors. Um, firstly, when you started building your own outboard motors first, and mm. and and I think now you're doing some retrofitting. You're pivoting a, a bit, and you and you're yeah. retrofitting. So in the actual engine itself, you know the the compartment of of the outboard, you what take away the petrol um, piece of it, throw that away. How much more redesign was needed in terms of? Uh, there's no, I assume there's no difference in the prop shafts and 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 uh, how do you get the power to the propeller? All the, all okay, the... yeah, all that sort of stuff. So the work we had to do was first of all find out, see different casings. We, we're very, I've got to explain this. We're very different to some of the other petrol, uh, sorry, uh, electric outboard manufacturers, who have done proprietary. They're not retrofitting existing casings. They are actually got proprietary casings from the beginning, and they tend to do direct drive and they tend to work with a lot of plastics. And I'll explain why that's a bit of an issue later on for a particular market. It's fine for small recreational vehicles um, like tenders. Um, so the first thing we had to do is, because all the different out outboards are different brands and different gearing ratios, we had to understand what kilowatt we could put in every casing. We also had to decide on voltage. And most of the world had gone to 48 volts because it's easy to get batteries. We decided, and we were the first in the world to do this, we went to 96. Now, we do do 48 up to small engines like 5 kilowatts, but over that there, there's cooling issues. There's a whole lot of issues that we couldn't get the performance out of them. Now, we are now being followed. If you look at other manufacturers, they're going to 96 volts for their larger engines too, but we're the first to do that. So that was a, we had to explain that that was still a, a safe voltage 
to consumers. So there was yes. a big education piece around that um, and still more to go about lithium. There's a lot of mythology around lithium-ion batteries at the moment blowing up and fires and it's a pretty concentrated campaign, anti-campaign yep. at the moment, yep. so there's a bit to go. Yep. So what we had to do was do that. And then, of course, we're removing the old petrol powerhead, but we're using the gearing system, we're using the drive shaft and we're using the cooling system of the yep. original motor. So we had to design parts to make all that fit together. And each motor has its own parts so it connects. So then we could do a whole kit and you literally can put that kit in. In a If you're a technician, you'd need to be better than a DIYer um, and, uh, because it all has to work together, but it's not complex. Any marine mechanic could do it um, and uh, that would take them an hour. Wow. Wow. So you could take your old uh, old old casing in and uh and get it retrofitted in an hour. In an hour. Yeah. And and, and so it, the comparable weights of uh, uh batteries versus uh, petrol cans or cans of period, let's say in a in a tender or a smaller out, out or motor. Um how how much is the weight difference? It is significantly different in that um, uh, obviously batteries at the moment are not as energy dense as petrol. Yeah. Um, that's what we've got to sell at the moment. This will change. Yeah. Right. There's no no doubt the batteries is where the billions of dollars of, of yeah, yeah. R&D has been spent. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit like, I say, the early days of um, mobile phones. Do you remember back in the day they weighed oh, two I, kilos? They I, were I a had brick. a brick. <laughs> yeah, had a brick. Right? And you thought, well, who would buy that technology? Oh, and we thought we, oh, we, thought we were the bee's knees. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They had 15 minutes of talk time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who would buy that? Yeah. But there were certain groups of people where that was worth it, and you would have been one of them, you, I believe, worked yeah. for a politician. To be yeah. able to contact somebody was worth that. Yeah. On a building site, if you could ring your supplier and say, where are the windows, yeah. that was worth that. Yeah. Uh, electric, because of batteries, not because of the engines. The engines will run all day. They're really simple. There's no maintenance on them. Yeah. But because of the battery technology, we're kind of at brick stage. Yeah. So it is certain use cases where electric works best, where you've got short runs. Yeah. Okay, so you don't need such a huge battery. So you're still going to have in a small tinny, which you might have a, oh, I don't know, the equivalent of 20 kilowatt, uh, sorry, 20 horsepower motor on it. You might have a jerry can with 23 litres, which uh, is about 20, 21 lead, uh, kilograms in weight. Uh, your battery equivalent would be about 35, 37 kilo, kilograms. Yeah, and, and and that's not out of the world. It's not and, out of the world, And, no. and the, the other thing is, is that um, as, as we get used to it, because I'm assuming you can swap the batteries out. You can with the smaller ones. Once you yeah. get to um, engines that are like 40 horsepower and 60 horsepower, you, yeah. you're looking at something like a fuel tank that's built into the boat. Built, built into the boat. But yeah. the smaller yeah. ones, you could have two batteries. You know, you could you, easily swap you, them out. You could have one in, in the tender and one on your main yeah, uh, vessel. Absolutely. And, and yeah, so, so and that'll happen. I know it's cost, but it, it, it's cost, that cost versus convenience, you know. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Now, 
now, operating lithium iron um, and electrics in a saltwater environment is there is there sort of any problems about that? I know. No, I know. Built, I talk to somebody. Yeah, built, there's a lot of talk about that. About <laughs> built, well, built, you, built wave <laughs> energy generators. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you well, if you've got a fire, you don't throw salt water on a lithium ion battery. That is true. But however, yeah. with yeah. ours, what we've done is we've got some suppliers. We don't manufacture the batteries, but we need to be able to access them to sell. Yeah. So we've got two Chinese suppliers about to put on a third, and we've got a very interesting repurposed Australian manufacturer. Now. All of those, we specify the casings that they're in because yeah. we need them waterproof, right. uh, IP67, which is the highest impact, and you yeah. could go a metre underwater for half an hour. Wow, okay. Okay, so that means that if something, and you've got really sophisticated battery management systems in there, yeah. so they're going to shut the battery down if the temperature goes up, and yeah. the temperature for ignition in a battery is much, much higher than temperature for ignition in petrol. Yeah. The misinformation out there, they're, they're, you're far more likely to have a fire in your petrol car than much you are in your electric vehicle. Much more. And, and, and a boat as well. Yeah. And there is none of this monitoring on your jerry can yeah. that you've got on a battery. You've got a, a good yeah. battery will have good monitoring. It will look be looking at every cell yeah. in that yeah. battery. So, yeah. and we're, we're selling good, expensive batteries. So that's what that's about. So, um, so if you would have, if impact caused that battery to fail, you'd yeah. be in the water. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know? suppose too, uh, depending on use, but I could see the batteries lasting longer than e even EVs where they're in constant use. Mm. And, uh, and it's become, uh, around the globe, EV batteries are lasting longer than they were ever predicted. Yeah, and we're getting the same information. The cycles, yep. the deep cycle, they, they talk in, uh, not in life in years, they talk in charge cycles. Yes. We only use the top 25% of the lithium-ion battery for performance. Yeah. So our charge cycles are much, much more than the advertised deep charge cycle because in our batteries, we're never discharging fully. Yeah. We're, yep. we're using that top 25%. So, yeah, years and years and years of, yeah. of work. Yeah. And look, the same thing. What, what happens if I run out of um, uh, run out of electric charge? Well, you know, what happens when you run out of petrol, which has happened to well, me? Well, they don't have way. gauges on a jerry can. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, you know, try another argument, really. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting embarrassed <laughs> thinking about my, uh, my youth um, and... Uh, and I, I, I used to live on a, on a yacht in Fiji, and I used to take take the outboard across into uh, into Suva from <laughs> to go to the nightclubs. And <laughs> being half being halfway back across the harbour with a girl in the boat, and we ran out of petrol. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it was, I say it was a long, get, was a long night. Have, <laughs> you can have situations where the battery wasn't fully charged before it went out, or yeah. you get particularly bad. Conditions and so the ba battery has um, has more draw amp draw on it because electric motors are like a willing horse. The more yeah. load you put on it, the more yeah, amps yeah, yeah. they'll draw. Yeah. So um, yeah. you can get situations like that, but you've got to monitor. And yes. so I say, only an idiot would run a battery. And, yeah, and, and people do it in petrol all the time. Ask the marine rescue people. Yes, yeah, They're always I rescuing people. I, I know. That's what I said. I was I was I was blushing when you were talking about running in petrol because I, I remember my own. Experience. Well, the other thing the marine rescue people tell me is that they do a lot of rescues where the motor has broken down. 
Yeah. Now, in electric, you've got a brushless DC motor. There's nothing yeah. touched. It's magnetic. Yeah. So there's far less to break down on a, an electric outboard. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have another concept. If you're going to talk, I don't know what point, where we move the dial to go marine electric, and that's where our little company with a big idea comes in. Yeah, tell me. Well, if you take all the other manufacturers who are popping up, and there's not many, there's about 20 in the world at the moment, they're all mainly designing from the ground up. So that means they're all like mini Teslas. They need to build a factory yes. country for their motors for that to penetrate. This is not reasonable in developing countries. So we've um, just come back from West Africa where we did a trial. And the trial was retrofitting existing in-country motors yeah. using and training local mechanics. Yeah. Now, that means that the local mechanic still gets work. He's still got a relationship with the owner of the boat. Yeah. And we did sea trials on classic wooden pirogues, which are they what they used for fishing and for tourism. Now, the boat guys love the electric for all the reasons you named, the quietness in the in the wildlife, the, the fact that they could creep up to a spot really, you know, acts like an electric trolling motor at low RPMs, and then they could shoot off with high torque. So they loved it. But what it proved to us was that around the world, suddenly you had literally millions of retrofitters available. Hmm. And that's something that nobody else has considered. Yeah, and, and, and look, retrofitting existing rolling stock cars, trucks, um, uh, marine ve vehicles, it, it, it's a must in this in this transition. Uh, you just look at the sheer number, uh, the sheer amount of uh, minerals and metals that we would need to replace all rolling or they, stock. Or they dump them in the sea with their oil. Yeah. yeah, particularly yes. in the Pacific where you've yes. come from. And and um, and you know, and the fact that those electric motor casings and that, those outboards exist is that their carbon has already been spent and embedded in that. And uh, and you know, retrofitting is um, is yes, it's going to be an absolutely uh, critical pathway. We won't get there without retrofitting. We we just won't. So um, and I, I sort of and it was one of the things I, I, I sort of uh, was going to talk more about is that that pivot that you made was that just another uh, moment that you you saw that we're never going to conquer the world by manufacturing new and placing new? Was, yeah, basically. Was it a moment? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So yeah. if you really want to make a difference, you have to give people the tools to make that difference. Yes. And also, I was very aware that marine mechanics train and love it, and they don't want to point to an electric engine in a showroom and sell it on commission. They're not salespeople. They're mechanics. So no. what could you give them to continue the um, profession that they love? Yeah. yeah. And give them and, an income. And, and, and yes, yeah. And um, and, and even in... Um, even in road vehicles, uh, you know, I posted something the other week. Uh, uh, Saab have invented a put their the entire electric motor within the, the wheel uh, of mm -hmm. an 18-inch uh, wheel. I can get a 100 kilowatt motor in there, 
And essentially what that means is you just need four or even two wheels and a battery and some more electrics, and you can convert an existing rolling stock, take, throw the motor away, you don't need that, you know, you've saved some weight. Um, it's it's that sort of um, creativeness is what's going to get us to decarbonisation. Just trying to mine all that minerals and and uh, and create metals new to create new stock, it, the planet simply can't do it. We, we, it's an impossibility. So it's an impossibility. It's so you made we've both simplified it. It's a lot yep. harder than that, <laughs> yep. but it is that's the basic principle. Right? So the yes. the you were going to ask me about what the difficult, what the barriers have been, and yes. anybody who starts a startup, particularly if it's like us, which has been bootstrapped, yeah, right, is is challenging, really challenging, yeah. and uh, and I've done that before. I've done bootstrap businesses before, but um, they're always challenging. Uh, yeah. This one, a couple of times, came close to kill project. Yeah, I won't lie. Um, the first problem I had was um, ins getting insurance. Nobody would touch it. None <laughs> of the boat people, nobody would touch it. Uh, public liability insurance, yeah. Yeah, nobody yeah. would touch it. And yeah. uh, warranty insurance. Yeah. yeah. And you can't run a business without that kind of protection. Yeah. So that was, um, that was an interesting time. I finally, by, you know, literally keeping on going and going and going and going, found somebody who, yeah. uh, who would take it on. Yeah. Um, I had barriers around battery and battery failure when we didn't know enough about them. Yeah. So that's been, we've never had an engine fail, but I have had re a couple of engine returns due to battery unsuitability yeah. for, the, for the application. Yeah. Uh, when you're a small manufacturing business, that's pretty tough to give people, you know, thousands of dollars back when you're in your early stages yeah. of cash flow. Yeah. Um, I think creating a market from scratch is with a new product and a new brand is right up there in a challenge. Yeah. Um, you've got clear air, but you haven't got, you know, you're not Yamaha. No, no, no. So uh, that, that's been really interesting. Um, and so those are probably the biggest challenges I've had. Um, I looked at all the barriers to buying retail-wise and I think, tried to eliminate every single barrier I could. So that upfront capital cost, I now have green loans yep. that you can get with us, low interest green loans, and I'm now negotiating a commercial green loan for commercial players. Good. Wow. And uh, an international company wants a test case and they want us to be the test case. Right. Because when I when I look at it, like some things you look at, and and you know, and you would have come across this in, in your years of uh, as a marketer, you look at it and you go, that's just not a very good idea. <laughs> and, yeah. and there are other things you look at it and you go, that's a no brainer. It's just you know, and I think I started with that. The only barrier I could see to, to entry is actually finance. Is actually people fronting up and, and doing it because the, the, the benefits are, are so immediate and, and so great. And and so where do you see oh – look, and, and by the way, th thank you for your contribution for doing things like the insurance and the public liability and things because you're forging a pathway that others mm. can follow. And yeah. I know it's often – 
you know, difficult you as an individual in a small bootstrapping your own company rather than a Yamaha, you know, forging that pathway. But you've gone and done it, and I just wanted to acknowledge that and and, and thank, thank you. you for your thank you for your contribution. And I'll share the green lines with any marine green lines because I actually want more electric outboards out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's it. It's a, th- a thriving market. The markets are so huge that you, you don't need to try and protect it all yourself. No, um, I, you know. there's no way I can service a $12 billion market. No, it's no. I, I, Paul, there's plenty for everybody. Paul Hodgson from the Queensland Manufacturing Institute, he, he talks about hunting in packs. And, you know, and, and I agree with that. I, I think, and especially, you know, if you had a cluster of Australian manufacturers, that's better than just having one. One of my challenges in the early days was my buyers had nothing to compare us to. Yes. People need a bit of choice yes. to be able to make a decision. Oh, and, so and they, yeah. they also, if there's only one person doing it, They've got a natural red flag saying, Jesus, there's only one, you know, um, if there's 10, they go, oh, yeah, you know, we'll get one of those, you know. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, other, so- the other thing they've got to learn too is that um, you can't get one tomorrow. They're not in the showroom. Yeah. And we're very uh, used to instant buying. So I get a lot of people saying, my two-stroke um, has just broken down because you know two strokes are banned throughout most of the world now. I, 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 yeah, I, I saw I saw that on your on your web, website. Mm. Um, mm. But they're still, still in using, use. They're still yeah, in use. Well, petrol generators, um, two strokes mm. are still in use everywhere. So, yeah, mm. um, yeah. Uh, so, okay, sorry. Just to come back to where do you, where do you see the future for you? Um, is, are things looking rosier? Can you see light at the end of the tunnel? Certainly can. Um, I think we've got enough out there now, which I call, we're really an R&D company yeah. with pilot sales. That's yeah. what I consider us at. Yeah. We're not manufacturing at scale. So my cost levels are at a custom build stage. Yeah. So there's starting to be opportunities with some of these test cases that yeah. are will get too big for me to finance. Yeah. And so we're, for the first time, And that's looking... good. Sorry? And that's good, that they're yeah, getting too great. big. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so therefore we are, for the first time, considering an investor who would eventually, um, uh, you know, take a controlling stake in the company. Yeah. So yeah. um, we've got to get the right fit. We're talking to a couple of people at the moment. But uh, we to get this out on any scale, and we could really reduce the cost of the engines then because we'd have some scale, um, and we could get that out, particularly to, to these countries that uh, have no other option but us, yes. uh, really, realistically. Yeah. And to do it more quickly. So that's the stage we're at at the moment. Uh, as I said, each of these um, purchases that have been made, the houseboat, the marina workboat, the rescue boat, the survey boat, the pirogue in West Africa, they're all test cases. Yeah. And once you develop a happy customer in your test case of your pilot sales and we work very very closely with those customers yeah right um and so therefore we are learning getting feedback all the time to improve it yeah um and so uh once we know that and it works well that's a whole market then Hmm. and we need to be able to take advantage of that market with somebody with deeper pockets and big reach than us yes 
Yes, it's interesting. In the, in the SIMPAC conference that we're, we're having in Brisbane in February 2024, I've divided my halls up in uh, TRL levels, technology readiness levels. And, um, you know, one, two, and three is in the, in the future hall. That's for people looking at research and, 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 and early stage stuff that we need to fast track. And then the hall, the second hall is the future hall. And it's for people at your stage that are looking for distribution and investment. And um, and I'm hoping people are going to come to my conference to cherry pick from companies like yours and, and look at them and say that's an opportunity to, to scale up. And then the other hall we've got is the Today Hall, and that's the stuff that's that, that's that, that's really for distribution and for, for, for bolting on now. So, yeah, so I, I'm really interested in, the, in those companies like yours that are at that stage, that have done the trial stage, and they're looking uh, for, for for somebody to help scale them up. Yeah, and, and it is a it is a it is a difficult thing for uh, small companies to do that alone without a, without a, a forum or somebody to help connect the dots. Mm. I mean, we could just continue. We're, the company is holding its own. You know, we could continue just being a small boutique. You know, fun um, experimenter, but that won't that won't shift the dial. No, 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 it won't. And so, yeah, no. it's up to somebody else to say, okay, this is a concept that could shift the dial. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's been wonderful talking to you. Um, it, it's it's really interesting, um, and where it's really interesting. Best of luck with finding somebody to help help take you up to that next level, and. Um, and yeah, and and we look forward to um, catching you at Simpac in, in in 2024. And thank you very much, Sonal. It's a pleasure. 